this time. Here we go. Look at talk starts now. Welcome one. Welcome everybody to a new podcast. Another new podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If it's one thing this coronavirus can't do, it can't stop us from putting out podcasts. I am your man V Jones, and today we have an exclusive round episode. Joining me today, hold it down. Down in South Florida, she is the leader of the Living in Gratitude Today movement. It is Miss Maya Rubin. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on, and I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. And I'm doing well today. I'm surviving, doing surviving this quarantine. I'm kind of disappointed because I'm looking outside, and it's so beautiful outside, but ain't nothing open today. I hear you. Same thing down here. It's it's absolutely gorgeous outside. The beaches are closed. The parks are closed. But we can still get outside. We can still move around. We can still walk around the neighborhood. Yeah, that. Yeah, we can still do that. You could definitely definitely take time to walk around the neighborhood and see things you don't see normally see because you're always on the go. So maybe we don't get that chance to pay us around our surroundings. So, but it's it's good, you know. But we're gonna make it happen because I don't know how long this damn quarantine is supposed to last. Because they, I know, I have to. I have, to. So I, I have no idea. Yeah, we have no idea, but we just got to do what we can to make it happen. So tell me about the living. Uh, I would love to. So movement. I was a teacher in South Florida for twenty years, and I taught kids the power of tapping into gratitude and how we can really train our brains to look for the powerful, delicious, juicy moments that happen on a regular basis, especially in times of coronaviruses (laughs) or other things that, you know, kind of take us off our game. And the idea of, of tapping into gratitude is how do we find those moments that make life um, exciting, that make, that are those small, delicious moments that if we don't pay attention, we forget. So the idea behind the movement is to really, show people how they can look for those moments, how they can find those moments, regardless of what's going on in their life. Wow, that's real. So what made you decide to start this movement? Um, I think my whole life I've always had a gratitude practice. I did not realize I was it was gratitude until later on in life. Um, and like I said, I taught character development to high school kids in South Florida, and I saw really the power of what gratitude was bringing to them. I saw how they were able to see their life in a completely different way, just by having to tap in or having to look for those moments, um, that made them smile. Cause I would have them keep gratitude charts. So tell a ninth grader, you're going to keep a gratitude chart. They're going to look at you like you've lost your mind. So by the end of the year, you know, they were excited. They were like, listen, this is the stuff that this is what I realized about my life. I realized that, you know, I spend time with the people that I love. I didn't realize how, how lucky I was and how much time I got to spend with them. I realized that when I don't feel good, I do something nice for somebody else and then I feel better. So they started to see how their life was shifting just by changing their perspective what, of what they were looking for. Wow, that's real. And also, <laughs> thank you for your years of service as being a teacher because not many people want to de- take on the challenge of dealing with someone else's child for eight hours out of the day. For, for I can tell you year. that I, it was not the children ever that was a problem for me. And I, you know, my kids came from inner city. My kids were, but I loved the kids. It wasn't the children. Hey, that's real. So if it wasn't the children, then what made you just say, I want to stop? So, you know, if I tell my kids to go for their dreams, to go for things they want, to try things, to, I also have to do the same thing because I can't sit in the class and tell them to do something and then be a hypocrite and not go for my own dreams, go for things I want. And I knew that it was my time to leave the system and try something different. So I made a choice. I said, you know, now is the time. And I went for it and I said, you know, if, if there was never a plan B for me, but, you know, ultimately I still have a teaching certificate. If I chose to go back, I could, but you can't look a kid in the eye and say, you know, go for everything you want and then be too afraid to do it yourself. Cause the kid, they know, they, they know when you're being real, they know when you're not. So that was kind of my motivation. And I also knew it was my time. It was my time to go. 
Wow, that's real. So uh, basically, you just knew it was your time to make the leap forward and start this movement. So what do, what do you want people to... All, to I want people to shift their perspective on what they think or what of how they see their own life. I want people to be able to walk away with having a new set of glasses on, per se, so that when they look at their life, instead of looking at the stuff that's not working, they look at the stuff that does work. And it's just about shifting perspective, shifting the way we're, we're seeing our things, shifting the lens that we're looking through. Because right now, you know, we could focus on all the things that are wrong with the coronavirus, and I'm not knocking the fact that people are out of jobs and they're fearful. We can do all of that. We can sit in our house and go, oh my God, this sucks. I'm home. The coronavirus is here. I can't go to my job. I can't do this. Or we can find other ways to make things work. We can find other things to focus on. Like, you know, I was on a, a Zoom call with five of my girlfriends and we sat there for an hour and a half and had the best conversation. And we've been friends for 10 years and we've never gotten on a Zoom call to do that. So it was just a new way of getting together and spending time. And, and, you know, this morning I got up, I walked in my neighborhood. I never walk in my neighborhood. I'm either at the park or at the beach, you know, and I, and it's about finding those moments right now in your life. And that's what I want people to see is that even though we have a pandemic going on, even though we're quarantined, even though life is maybe not the way we necessarily want it to be right now, we still have the power to see the good if we choose to. We can still train our brain to look for the good. It's just about building that muscle. That's real. I'm glad you and Sean, I appreciate you coming on to enlighten people about how to build that positive muscle because not a lot of people know how to just, the, all they can still, it's like all they can see is the negativity and it's like we get it, but you got to sometimes, you got to look focused on the positive as well. So tell me about this <laughs> pandemic. So of I was, you know, walking with a friend of mine, or I was talking to my friend while I was walking the other day, and somebody that we know is basically about to pass over, pass pass away. So she had her son write, you know, draw him a picture, and she left it at the door. And we're like, you know, we're talking, and all that. How often do we say, you know, I wish we got together, or I want to do this, but I'm so busy, or I want to send this person a note, or I want to let this person know how much I care about them. And we don't do it. We get caught up in life. We get caught up. We get busy. You know, we always make time to go to funerals, but we don't make time to do the fun stuff, the, the celebrations. Um, we'll travel to go to funerals, but how often are we willing to travel for weddings or births of you know, children? So the idea is, is that people will, they can send me a message and I will write it on a little gratitude card and I'll send it out to that person that they want to give a shout out to. So, you know, what is it you love about this person? What is it you admire about this person? What's your favorite memory of this person? And now they can carry these cards with them in their wallet. So whenever they're having a bad day or whenever they're having, you know, they just want a, a boost, they can open up and find that card with that memory or that thought or, or whatever you wrote down about that person so that they can, and they get to feel good about themselves. And then the idea is that that person will then turn around and write one to somebody else. And then that person will write something to somebody else. So the idea is that we're spreading, spreading these positive messages that are, you know, we get to see how we make a difference in the world. And I don't think often people get to see that. They don't know how they make a difference in the world. They don't know how powerful their messages or their words are or how they land on somebody else. So... <laughs> that's that's definitely real and honestly hearing hearing from some of those people when i get down it's like hey you maybe even when i get down they'll tell me hey i listen to your podcast your podcast definitely has a message i said damn that's just more motivation to keep me going so i do do say shout out to all the people out there that support and give messages because those messages really can keep somebody going so how have those messages you've received from people kept you going? It, so down? it's always interesting because like you were just saying that the minute you feel like, what am I doing? What is this making a difference for somebody? Somebody will walk up to me and say, I watched, you know, I shared the video you, you did the other day on, on social media. I shared it with my friend or I was sitting at a Starbucks by my house a couple months ago and somebody walks up to me and she's like, hold on a second. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're Vismaya? I said, yeah. She goes, oh my God, I don't know how I, I, I found your gratitude calendar. She goes, but I've been following you on social media for two years. And oh my God, I love your stuff. 
So things like that happen. Like I've had crazy weird experiences where people have come up to me and they were like, you know, thank you for doing what you're doing because you don't know how much of a difference it made for me at that moment. So that's really been a good boost for me. And, and just learning the information that I get to teach also is very good for me because everything I teach, I also get to practice. And, you know, I'm not somebody who's like saying, do this, this, and this. I also get to point to myself and say, do this, this, and this. So that way, you know, I get to, I'm practicing just like everybody else. So that, that's really, and speaking of that part of teaching, what would you say is your favorite part of the Living in Gratitude movement to teach? To live How to start a gratitude practice probably. And that, you know, because when you have that, that power when you have the ability to see through all the BS and all the messiness. And when you have the ability to find those moments that are juicy and delicious, no matter what, that for me is the power. And if we have a few more minutes, I'll be happy to share with you how to do it. All right. So the idea is we all walk around with our cell phones, take that cell phone. And especially now for people who are going through, you know, they just can't get off the couch because they're, they're finding themselves in a space of, you know, they're, they're in despair, they're sad, they're frustrated because of everything that's going on. Set your alarm to go off every three to four hours. When that alarm get, goes off, get up, take a deep breath, because when we take a deep breath, what it does is it brings us back to the conscious moment and ask yourself, what are my gratitude wins? So who or what made a difference for me? What did I do for myself or what did I do for somebody else? Did I do something new? Did I do something nice? Or what made me smile or laugh till my sides hurt? And the idea is that we keep doing this practice. We keep going through that every three to four hours so that what happens is it starts to become automatic. You start to automatically recognize those moments that I call gratitude wins. So for instance, I was walking, you know, like I said, I was walking in my neighborhood today I didn't even know where I was going. I was just strolling and I ended up by this school and all of a sudden something caught my eye and there were these owls burrow, like hanging out by their, their, there were the burrowing hours. So they were hanging out outside of their, outside of their little holes. And I was like, I got to hang out and watch them for a while. And then I took a different path home and all of a sudden, again, my, something caught my eye, but this time the owl was like two feet from me. And I was like, Oh my God. So it's about recognizing those moments that bring us joy. And it's not the big, huge moments like I bought a house or I had a kid or I got married or any of those things, because those are not the things you forget. But you forget the little things like, wow, you know, during this pandemic, my nephew called me and said, you know, Titi, he says, I want to talk to you every day. What? How delicious is that? So when I start to write those things down or pay attention to them, it brings them to the forefront of my mind. So if I'm having a crappy day, I'm like, wow, you remember the time that, you know, Jacob reminded you that he wanted to talk to you all the time or every day of this pandemic or that you got to FaceTime him and color or do whatever you did with him. That's the kind of stuff. That is real, y'all. Y'all, if y'all have it, y'all might need to replay that a couple of times. That last little bit, replay it a couple of times because that is a real tip, y'all. This is look and talk if you don't know by now. So, of all the all the steps to gratitude, which one would you say is the was the toughest one for you to come? To you, I think to you to come up. Not the toughest tip for me to come up with because I think I've always practiced gratitude. I think the hardest thing for me to to give myself permission to do was be angry or frustrated or sad and still call myself a gratitude gangsta or still call myself a gratitude practitioner because there was a disconnect in my brain that it was like, well, if you practice gratitude, you're always supposed to be happy. If you practice gratitude, you're never going to get upset or pissed at anybody or angry, which is not true. The truth is, is that I'm a human being and I'm going to get angry and sad and frustrated and upset And I can still practice gratitude. So I don't have to have one or the other. I can be both. And to allow myself to acknowledge when I'm feeling upset that it's okay to feel upset because it's not going to be there forever. 
and give myself permission to not beat myself up. Wow, that's real now. That's now that that's a real one now. How does one practice gratitude even while they're so I think that with a person? If you're in that space with somebody, if you're upset with somebody, you're frustrated with somebody, the first part is to kind of just like feel what you're feeling and not suppress it. But then ask yourself, is every part of that relationship, are you upset with every part of that relationship? Or if you're upset with a part of your life, are you upset with every part of your life? And if the answer is no, then start to look for those moments that bring you joy. If you're upset with your partner, you know, especially now that everyone's quarantined in the house together, you know, remind yourself, what is it about that person that I love? What is it about that person that I care about? And instead of, you know, focusing on that one thing that you're upset about, start to look for those things. Well, what did that person do that made me smile today? What did that person do that was right? Start looking for those things that are right, especially when we're right now in quarantine and we're in close quarters and we have to be next to each other. Start to look for those things that are right. That's real. Now talk to me a little bit a little bit. So um, a friend of mine that that I met on LinkedIn, he reached out to me and he's like, Vismaya, what are we going to do about, you know, these, what are we going to, how do we recognize the people who are still on the front lines? And we hear about the nurses and the doctors and the cops and the firefighters and all of those people. But then there's a whole slew of other people who are on the front lines, the people that are working at our grocery stores, the delivery people, the sanitation workers, I live in a community, the guy who goes around and, you know, the maintenance man who cleans up after people. We have so many people who are still out there working, our security guards. And the idea is, you know, how do we, you see in Europe that they're banging on their pots at six o'clock. So when people come home, they have this, this excitement and they, they see that they're being valued. But we in, in the States, or at least where I live, it's not that kind of community where you can, where people tend to do that. So the idea is that there's a universal symbol of gratitude. I have it up on my website and I can share it with anybody who's interested. You color in that symbol and you write down, you know, thank you. We're grateful for, and you choose people that you're grateful for. Maybe it's the, the security guard that's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's the sanitation worker. Maybe it's the, your favorite nurse that's still going to work every day. And you hang those in your, in your windows so that people see, and it brings it to the forefront that they, we say a special, you know, thank you to those person, people. We say a little prayer for them in our, in, you know, when we're home and comfortable in our house and they're still out working, make sure you go the extra mile, even if you're frustrated in the grocery store and, and thank the cashier. Cause it's not the cashier's fault that there's no more toilet paper on the, you know, on, on the shelf, but that person is still coming to work every day, putting themselves in harm's way so that you can have the stuff that you need. And that was the whole idea behind it how do we get it out there where we're showing our support and solidarity to the people who are on the front lines every day now what is something about gratitude that you wish you would have known when you what were do i wish i would have known i think um i didn't call it gratitude before i used to say i was lucky um so I think just being able to tap into that space on a regular basis more frequently, I think I've always had that ability. My mom was bipolar when I was growing up. So I've always had the ability to find the good stuff, the, the, the happy moments um, and focus on those versus the other parts. But I think I would just, if I could go back and tell my younger self anything, it would be, Focus on what works, not on the stuff that doesn't. Pay attention to the things that that are going right in your life. Be kinder to yourself. Look at when you did something right versus, you know, trying to be a perfectionist. That's real. That's real. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know by now, this is Look at Talk. And if you don't know by now, you need to know that we talk to whatever. We talk to anybody with a story. And today we are talking about gratitude with Miss Vismaya Rubin holding it down in South Florida. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts at, you will find Look at Talk. So tell me this. 
what hurdles did you personally face growing up and how did you overcome what those hurdles, hurdles you know when I'm asked that question it's always hard for me to answer I think my parents were divorced when I was three which was really challenging for me um and I remember always wanting to it was a very nasty divorce that lasted a very long time and I think that as a kid you know, my mom was bipolar and I didn't realize that right away. I, I learned it later on and wanting to protect her and not letting anybody know she was bipolar and not being open to talk about that. So it also kept me away from my father. So it kept the relationship between my dad and I very, it was in a strange relationship. We were together, but I wasn't always forthcoming with what I shared with him. And then um, I remember I was 23 and one day we went out and I was just, I was, I had it with my mother. I had it with all the nonsense. And I finally said, okay, we're, we're going to have a talk. And I just shared everything with him. And that really repaired our relationship. There was like, if I tell you, I could feel a 50 pound weight come off my shoulder because I was able to share with him some of the things that I didn't want him to know before because I wanted to protect my mother which in turn, you know, was detrimental to the relationship I had with him. So if I could go back and do any of that again, I would probably have gone back and, and made sure that I shared, you know, all of it so that I had a better relationship with my dad. Wow, that, that's deep right there. So how did having a relationship with your dad... How did it make me a better person? person? Um, I'm very lucky because I had my dad and I had my stepdad. And we had very different relationships. And before, you know, my dad and my stepdad were actually friends, which was very nice. I think, you know, with my dad, I learned... Like, I have a love for music. I have a rebellion that comes from my dad. And then from my stepdad, I have the, I've learned how to to fix things. I've learned how to take care of myself. I've learned how to do things that I probably wouldn't have been known how to do. Um, I'm self-sufficient. So I think, I think that would be it. Yeah. Okay. And that's real. So getting back to the living and gratitude today movement. What made you decide to, that you wanted to have? Because I think that um, it's a great practice. And what it does for other people is it gives them the tools that they need so that they're able to enhance their gratitude practice. They're able to put on, you know, a different set of glasses, so to speak, and see their world a little bit differently. Um, and you know, it allows me also the ability to go out and speak and to do the things that I want to do where, and take this movement to the next level. I can't do it by myself. And if we have gratitude gangsters in every area of of town and every, imagine if, if we had people practicing gratitude, like really looking for what went right in their life versus all the stuff that doesn't go right. Imagine how much more powerful and how much, how much more fun our communities would be how much more together our communities would be because we had people who are out there looking for what's working versus all the stuff that isn't. And that doesn't mean turn a blind eye. It doesn't mean, you know, brush those things under the table. It means come from it at a different, from a different space. That's real. That's real. You definitely have to come at it from a different space. So what would you tell people? Go to my website you, and join. What would you tell <laughs> it's them? It's that easy. <laughs> Go to the, yeah. <laughs> Go to the web. Go to the website and join. So, so when you join the movement, um, what happens is that every Sunday I send out a video, an inspirational video, so that you have a thought that we can really, you know, when we're going to work on Monday morning, basically it starts your week out. Right. So we don't have any more like, Oh my God, it's Monday. It's like, yay, it's Monday. I get to start the week on the right foot. I get to, you know, I have another way of looking at things that maybe I didn't look at before, or maybe it's a concept that you already, that you used to practice and it's a reminder or 
it's a way of tweaking something that you didn't think about before and bringing it to another level. So it's um, a motivation every Sunday. And then I come back every Wednesday and bring it back and take that conversation we had on Sunday to a different level. We have a Facebook group. It's still growing. Uh, we have, we're going to start doing uh, member spotlights so people can, cause I have a lot of amazing people in this movement who are also really positive and who have great messages to share. So it's an also an ability to share other people's message and share other people's perspective. And um, the idea is that is not to pretend we don't have, you know, tough times. It's about how to get through those tough times easier and how to make it easier. That's definitely real. And, and that movement is definitely real. And there's people y'all need to sign up for it. So what what do you see long term? I see people like going forward shifting not only in their own life, but taking these lessons and taking this practice and teaching it to children, teaching children about, <clears throat> excuse me, tapping into gratitude when they're young so that they are as they grow, they're building this gratitude muscle. As they get older, they're still able to tap into that space all the time. And it's a domino effect. You know, kids kids may watch what you do or, or may hear what you say, but really what they do is they watch what you do. So if we're teaching our kids how to, instead of, you know, teaching our kids how to reframe a situation. So if I'm in, stuck in traffic, instead of going, Oh my God, I was stuck in traffic. It was the worst traffic ever. Oh my God, it was so horrible. I mean, we, I live in South Florida. If I go on 95 at five o'clock at night, it's night, it's a nightmare. But then do I come home and I say, Oh, this is horrible, horrible, horrible. Or do I say, you know, here's a way to reframe it. So it was really tough being in traffic today. It was really challenging and people were like bumper to bumper. But you know what? While I was in traffic, I got to jam out to my favorite music or I got to catch up with a friend who I haven't talked to in a while, or I got to listen to a podcast. So what we're doing is we're teaching kids, we're showing them through our own lives, how you can take certain situations and shift them around. It's not again about pretending that, that life doesn't happen or that we don't get frustrated, but it's about how do I shift it so that I'm able to see it in a different light. And what we're doing is we're giving kids these tools so that they're now able to use those tools and not get frustrated when something doesn't go their way right away. But they can see a different way of, of, of looking at things or a different way of making things work for them. And I think that's the, that's the most powerful message for me. Because I watched kids in high school change the way they saw their own life. And the only thing that changed was their perspective. Nothing else changed. They still went home to the same family. They still went home to the same house. They still went home to the same neighborhood. They still went to the same school. They still had the same teachers. The only thing that changed was their belief about their life. Wow, that is so real. And like I said, this is a really good talk we're having today, ladies and gentlemen. This is Look and Talk. If you don't know by now, you need to go ahead and tell somebody. So tell me about the YouTube Absolutely. channel. Absolutely. I have, um, you know, I have a YouTube channel. I have YouTube? my Instagram. I have my Facebook. And I go through, I play them all, you know, at different times. I focus on different ones. But all my videos, or most of my videos, I should say, ultimately get uploaded to YouTube. If you're in the Living in Gratitude Today community, those videos I don't share with everybody else. I, those are just for the people in the community. So I have a separate library of videos for people in the community. Um, so yeah, that's, um, I, I am definitely growing the channel and, um, on my, on my events page on my website, all of the interviews that I've been on, you can go back there and you can check out the interviews. So I share that with people when, um, like when I get the links, I put them on there. So it promotes other people and they get to see the places, you know, that we've talked about gratitude. So they'll see your podcast and people will learn about you because they'll see that, whenever this comes out that I talked about gratitude on your show and then we'll, they'll be able to get that link from there. That's real. That's definitely real. I appreciate that. And um, now how do you continually deepen your personal relationships with people that, um, that have come along with the movement? The like I said, movement? I send out, you know, I'm in constant contact through emails and through 
through communication that way. I also do a lot on social me- media. Um, and then, you know, people will, re- will reach out to me. They'll talk to me. We're still in a grassroots. We're still growing this movement. So many of the people that have joined, I know personally. And really my goal for this year is to, to expand to a point where I don't necessarily know everybody personally, but we're going to do virtual gatherings, virtual classes so that we can start to learn a little bit more about each other and not have a, and I don't want anything ever that I do to be like a bitch fest about what's not going right or about all the things going wrong. But like, how do I reframe it? How do I change it? How do I see one, one piece of light in the midst of the crazy? And that's been the biggest blessing for people is that, you know, they've come up to me and like, since I've been practicing with you, these are the things that I've started to notice in my life that are different. These are the things that I've started to see that were different. So I'm in communication with a lot of the people that are in the movement. Cause like I said, I know them personally, but as we start to expand and grow, we will find other ways to stay in touch. That's real. So now what is something that people are missing? <laughs> That's a great question. First of all, they cannot call themselves a gratitude gangsta. What? Uh, <laughs> so that's the first part. You know, and the second part is is really <laughs> when when you are in this practice, you see your life differently. You see the juiciness in your life. You see, you know, the deliciousness. You see the small things that you didn't pay attention to before you start to notice them. And I think that's the most powerful part because your life doesn't change just the way you see it. And when you're in the movement, it's not because I am super fabulous and wonderful, even though I am, it's because the, the lessons and the tools that I share with you are, and, and then you get to implement those into your life. That's where the power really comes. So when you're not in the movement, you're not getting the latest and greatest tips and, and, and techniques from researchers that I do the research on. You get to, you get to, you're privy to the information that I do the research on. And I've been very fortunate enough to meet some really amazing leaders in the field of positive psychology. Many people who are out there who are doing the work I've been blessed to meet and, and speak with and, and, and have conversations with these people. That's real. So what is some, what's the biggest takeaway you've had so far? That they're human just like I am. They get upset people. just like I do. They get, you know, they go through the whole gamut of emotions just because they're positive psychologists or just because they practice gratitude or just because they're happiness experts does not mean that they don't ever go through those other feelings. The differences between most people and people who practice gratitude or have a very strong gratitude practice is that you don't stay in that space very long. You pull yourself out and that's the power. That's real. Now, what book out there would you recommend? Um, there's to a read couple. I love brush up on Acor, the happiness advantage. I love Tal Ben-Shahar. There's another one I love. Um, her name is Pam Grouch. She wrote a book called Thank and Grow Rich. Um, those are the ones that stick out right now. Okay, that's real. That's real. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know by now, you are listening to the Look at Talk podcast. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And also, go ahead and give us some feedback. And also, go ahead and give feedback to Look at Talk podcast on, on Instagram. And also, if you got any feedback, go ahead and give us the feedback as well on the, on the podcast as well. Now, tell me this. Now, being in South Florida, what are some Where do I want to go? Like I'm gonna, first thing I'm going to do is hit the, the beach for sunrise. That's one of my favorite things to do. Definitely hit the beach for sunrise and probably sit outside all day long at the beach, forget everything else, put the work aside for the day and just have a beach day. That's my favorite. And then, and then the second thing really is going to be to go see my family. Cause I haven't been able That's to see real. my mom. She's in a nursing home and she's in quarantine right now. I can't go in there and, you know, beach in the morning, family at the, in the afternoon. That's 
That's real. I'm sorry to hear about your mom. I hear you, and, but you know, I know she's safe and, and and don't wish that. So I'm okay nobody. with that. I'm okay with you know not being able to necessarily hug her and touch her and squeeze her because I do talk to her on the phone and I'd rather n- fewer people go in and out of that place. As few as people come in and out as possible. So I'm totally okay with that right now. I totally understand that. Now, things how, uh, look at how we focus on dating and relationships. Now, how does one practice gratitude? I think that's a great um, question. Um, Or dating somebody. So there's a thought. It's it's interesting because some um, John Gottam, I believe his name is, he created what we call the magic relationship ratio. And what he says is that every time you're in a relationship or when you're in a relationship with somebody, when you come home from work or you're, you know, upset or frustrated, the first person you take it out on is your, is your significant other. So one of the things he says is that every time you say a negative comment to your partner, you need to come back with five more positive things. So the idea is, is that, you know, when you're in a relationship in the beginning, everything is so wonderful and nice and fantastic. And you're in the honeymoon phase. And then after a while, you start to to see some of the things you may not have liked, but you still care about this person. You still love this person. Look every day for something that is unique to the day that you can say that you love about your partner or that you or recognize their greatness. You know, so if it, it's one thing to say, oh, my God, you know, I woke up this morning and my honey looked at me and said, wow, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And recognize, say, wow, you know, when you said that this morning, I really, really made me feel good versus I have the best husband in the world. Like be really specific and not just that. Let the person know, I really appreciate when you do those things. I really appreciate when you said that to me today. That's definitely real. That's definitely, that's definitely people, some people definitely knew. Now, where do people go wrong with? I don't think you can go wrong with a gratitude practice. I think what happens is that people don't practice enough. So... If you don't practice when times are good, so the idea is this, do you work out? So you lift weight. So if I said to you, listen, this is how you're going to grow really big biceps. You're going to pick up a dumbbell and you're going to do curls and you're going to do three sets of 12 and you're going to say, that's wonderful. That's great. But you never go to the gym. You never pick up a dumbbell. You never do the exercise. Well, I've told you how to do it. I told you how to grow your muscle and you understand it in theory. But if you don't pick up those dumbbells, if you don't pick up those weights and actually do the exercise, you're never going to grow your muscles. And that's the same thing. You can learn about things in theory all day long, but if you don't actually put them into practice, it doesn't matter what, what you know. You know, it's, it's a lot of information. That's great. But the idea is that you have to use that information and you have to start practicing. And even if it's something, even if you're in the the worst space you've ever been in your life and you feel like the world is falling apart around you, ask yourself, what is one thing I can do right now that I know is going to make me feel good? And maybe that's get up and turn on the music and dance. Maybe that's, you know, take five deep breaths because that brings you into the, the present moment. Maybe it's take a piece of paper and vomit everything you're feeling out on paper. Whatever it is, do something right now that you know will make you feel good. That's real. That's definitely real. Now, what do people in relation, like, say, now, what is your advice to people that are, like, single and stuff? I am single right now, so if you know any nice uh, Latin Jewish men, send them my way. What? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, again, I think it's about appreciating, <laughs> uh, about appreciating the small things about being open, about communicating, about being present. That's, that's really, you know, the, the, for me, the mo- most part of it is being present and being open and, and showing gratitude and expressing your gratitude to people, not to the point where you're like, you know, oh my God, everything about you is perfect, but being able to see their perfections, even in their imperfections. Wow. 
So would you say that that's why most relationships don't last that long is because sometimes not enough people show gratitude because I've known people <clears throat> that's been together for 20, 30 years. They, they sometimes they just get tired. Of each I think other. that's part of it. You know, there's a thing in our brain Separate. called, or there, there's a thing that's called hedonic adaptation. And the idea is this, is that when something really good happens to us and we're super psyched and we're on top of the world, after a while, it starts to, you know, fade away. So like you want this new car and you buy the new car and you're happy and you love the new car. And then a couple of weeks later, you love the car, but not as much as you did the day you bought it. And then six months later, you still love the car, but not as much as the day you bought it. So hedonic adaptation takes these really highs and really lows, and it almost brings us back to normal. <coughs> Excuse me, or back to a space of neutral. So in order to keep those highs going, practice gratitude. So if you want to really tap into what it is you love about this person, keep looking for those things. And somebody else, and I cannot remember the na his name right now, but he says, you know, it's the price of admission into your relationship. And he was talking about how, you know, his partner will make a sandwich and leave everything all over the counter. And he gets really upset. And he's like, does this, you know, he doesn't know how to pick up after himself. But he goes, that's the price of admission for being in this relationship because everything else is great. He goes, so I can either bitch and scream about it or I take the five minutes, clean up after him, put everything away and still have this great, juicy, delicious relationship and not get frustrated and realize that that is my price of admission. And I think those are the two things is that, you know, keep remembering what it is you love about that person. And if you're in a relationship for 20 years, things have changed and keep looking for new things on a regular basis to see what it is you're grateful for about that person. What it is you admire about that person? What it is that you love about that person? How does that person still make you feel? Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Now, what does one do if you're you're showing someone gratitude, but you don't feel the gratitude coming from them? What do what very do you good question? That? Um, you have to deal with that. I think the only person that we have control over is ourselves, and I think that when you want somebody to express things to you in a certain way and you're not getting it, um, that's all on you. At the end of the day, your reaction to that is on you. And I have to remind myself of that also in some of my relationships. I want them to be certain ways. I want people to be a certain way. I can't change that person. I can't do anything about that person except love them the way they are or not. Okay, that's real. So now what does one do if you feel like the price of admission I'm not is a marriage counselor and I guess at that point you have to figure out if it's too ridiculous and it's to the point where you can't deal with it then you got to figure out, you know, alternatives. Um and sometimes I think that it's it's okay to say our time is up. I think that's okay and I don't think you know, that we, we get to make ourselves, well, we have a choice. Do we make ourselves feel bad because we've done everything we can? And then we're, and I think that's also what happens sometimes is that we realize the relationship is over. It's run its course. We've done everything we could possibly do. And then we go into this tailspin of depression because we so wish that relationship worked, but it's not necessarily that relationship. It's any relationship. We, we feel bad because that connection we don't have a connection right now it broke it's it's done it's over and I think that you have to be honest with yourself and you have to either be willing to do the work or not and if it's if it's over you know you can end a relationship and still be amicable you can end a relationship and still be kind to each other you can end a relationship and still you know have a great co-parenting partnership for your children <laughs> yeah that's real so now getting back to this movement what kind of challenges the biggest challenge i have right now is getting people to movement. know that there is a movement um it's seven bucks a month and to get people to actually go to the website because they hear me speak they hear all of these things but then it's about getting them to take the the next step to go and to actually sign up and then when I talk to people, they're like, oh, I didn't know you had a movement. I'm like, I thought I just shared that with you. So 
It's about getting them to take the next step, which is to go fill out the paper and jump in and say, I'm ready to be a gratitude gangster. I'm ready to take my life to a different level. I'm ready to, to see my world differently. That's real. That's definitely real. You know what I'm saying? And hey, that's a definitely great movement, y'all. People, if y'all listen to this, go ahead and sign up on the website. Pay the $7 a month and be a part of this movement. So what was one of the lowest points <laughs> you've had? So there were a couple, actually, you know, um, that low point? when I first started to really tap into the space of gratitude, like really call myself a gratitude gangster um, in 2013, my dad had part of his lung removed. Two days later, my cousin's husband was killed. Three weeks later, my mother had a stroke. Three weeks after that, my aunt went into the hospital and we knew she wasn't coming out. So those were very challenging times. But throughout all of that, I get I kept focusing on what's working, what's working, what's working. And one time in particular stands out was, you know, my aunt was in the hospital and she needed to have her bedpan changed. And she asked everybody to leave the room. And she said, I need you to stay. And I said, okay. She goes, I need you to help me with my bedpan. And I thought to myself, why me and not the other people that were here? So I did that. I helped her. And when I got into my car, I had like a 45 minute drive. I realized all of a sudden I started to cry like these crocodile tears. And what I realized was that my aunt said to me without saying to me, I trust you. I love you. So that was a really challenging time and really being in that space of looking for what works. And then right when I stopped teaching in, in 2017, I quit June, 2017, I took a leave of absence. And then right after that, my dad, we knew that this was like the end and he passed away in, in January of 2018. And then six months later, my uncle, who I was also very close to, passed away six months, you know, like I said, after my dad. So in 2018, I lost two of the men that were, you know, very influential in my life. Damn, I'm so sorry to hear that about your 2018. That that had to be rough, a rip, very rough feeling to lose. Thank you. Two family members like that back to back. Um, I'm deeply sorry about that. So what, in, in spite of all that, what kept you going? Because even movie? though I, you know, there were things, even though it was like the time that I was supposed to really be growing the movement, the, the time I, when I stopped teaching in June of 2017, <clears throat> I had all these goals, all these plans, all these things I was going to do, you know, getting the, building the movement, growing the movement. But really in actuality, all I was doing was, spending time at the hospital. And then, you know, I was there when my dad passed away. I was there. So that was a blessing for me to be with my family, to be with, there were times that I wanted to choke them, you know, cause we were in close quarters all the time. But the fact that I was able to be there every step of the way was, was something I will never, never change. And then the other part is, is that, you know, my uncle, he had Parkinson's and he had, um, some other issues going on. And right before he passed away, I spent a month with him and I was his, his caregiver. He was living in an, an assisted living facility. And at the same time, you know, he was, he was really belligerent. He wasn't listening to people. He wanted to do his own thing. And the only one who could really calm him down was me. So I got to spend time with him. And that's another, that was really, a, um, a moment, a time in my life that I will never forget, you know, and my whole goal for being there was if I can give him five minutes of forgetting the, the, the shitty life he's experiencing right now. Sorry if I'm not allowed to say that, um, you know, he was going through, he lost his, his, the love of no, his you're life fine. for 40 years, you're his fine. high school sweetheart. Now he has Parkinson's. He can barely move. If I can give him five minutes to make him forget everything. That was my goal. And I remember asking him one day, I said, Brucey, you know, I didn't turn the news on at all when I was there. And I said, Brucey, what are you grateful for? And I thought quite honestly, he was going to turn around and go nothing. And he looks at me and he goes, you. And for me, that was worth all of it. It was worth, you know, 
imagine being in a place for 24 hours a day. I was, even though there were caregivers and there were people helping out, I was there 24 hours a day. There was no escaping. There was no taking a break. Cause if he got out of bed and fell, he could, you know, have, have broken his neck. He could have, all of these things could have happened because he just had neck surgery. So he was in a very fragile state, but I am beyond grateful that I had that opportunity to be with him for that month. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to, to really spend time with him because I adored him and I know that he adored me. And, and so that was kind of how I started the whole living in gratitude today movement where I was going to be full time, you know, pushing through that happened. So, but it's, but it's, <laughs> go ahead. No, it's all good wow. because it really like, I, gotta I had the time to be with the people right. that I loved. And if I was still teaching, I would not have had that time. I would not have had the flexibility to go be with my uncle for a month or hang out with my dad as, you know, while he was dying, really. Wow. And what did you learn about yourself during that time period and when you were getting to spend time with your family members? when you were dying because honestly hearing that it's like you're a stronger individual than me because it's like I don't, I don't know if I can stomach having to be there with somebody um, while I think with my dad almost their time it was for me the power of being able to say it's okay to let go it's okay to go and I don't think anyone else in my family was able to say that but it was that wasn't living he wasn't living at that point he was in a hospital bed he could barely move um and I think that for me was this was where my strength came in because I, I would whisper to him and I said, you know, it's okay, dad, it's okay to let go. We got each other. We were one thing I can say about my, my stepmom and my brothers and I is that we have each other's back no matter what we may be ready to, like I said, kill each other at certain points, but at the end of the day, we have each other's back. And I said, you know, you have three kids who will do anything for each other. We will take care of my stepmom. We will take, you know, and that's their mother, not mine. But, you know, she raised, she, she's raised me since I was seven or I've known her. No, actually, since I was three, I've known her. So we have a strong family unit. And, and, I, and that was, for me, that was the, the hardest thing. But the most powerful thing I was able to say, it's okay to let go. It's okay to let go. It's okay to let go. And he and he finally, you know, let go. Wow. Wow. That's right. Now, do you tell people that story when um, I have not really shared that story a lot? Speaking events. Um, when I find it, you know, if I find it to be helpful to people, I will share that. I don't always. It's not one I always share. You know, I think it depends on the moment and when I, where I'm at, what stories come out. Cause I have, you know, I think what happens is when the more you practice gratitude and the more you're, you're willing to look for those moments that bring you joy. And that wasn't, that didn't bring me joy telling my dad it's okay to go. It, it, it didn't bring me joy, but at the same time it, it brought me some sort of comfort because I knew that he was suffering, you know? Um, so I think different stories come up at different times. And, and one of the things I can, one of the things that made it really easy for me when I was teaching is that I shared a lot of my personal life that was appropriate with my students. I mean, I didn't share with them things that they didn't need to know because they're kids, but I, I let them know, listen, I'm life is kind of tough right now. This is what's going on in, in my life. And, you know, this is how I was able to see the bright, the silver lining and this is how I was able to deal with it. So I didn't pretend that, that everything was wonderful and great. I got to show them both sides. I got to say, you know, you know, and I shared the story about my aunt. I did share that with my students. I said, here's what happened. And, and look at the lesson I got to learn from that. Right. I didn't share that with them about my dad. I wasn't teaching and I don't think I would have shared them that at that time, there might've been other lessons I would have shared with them. Um, so I think it depends on, what's coming up and and what needs to be shared but I do I am a pretty much open book and I think that me being transparent 
also gives people permission to feel if I'm saying that one day I'm feeling really stressed out or frustrated or upset or crappy, or I want to beat myself up about something and being able to share that with somebody else, they also get to see that I'm not just this person who pretends that everything is wonderful and fantastic and great. I get to, I, I get to be real, you know, even recently with this whole pandemic, I, I realized that I had eaten my way through my pandemic snacks, you know, my quarantine snacks. I got on the scale. I'm like, Oh my God. So I had two choices. Do I beat myself up or I get my, you know, my ass on the mat and do some exercise and get out and walk. And, and that's the reality. I think that's, that's, we get to choose all the time and not that it's always an easy choice. Cause there are times that it's easy to beat yourself up and to feel bad about what you did or didn't do. And to, you know, look back with regret and remorse and, but I don't want to live that way. So I, you know, and that's the choice. What, what's the choice you want to make? Do you want to live that's where real, that's crappy <laughs> and horrible and, you know, life is difficult and challenging, or do you want to say, you know, in spite of all that, Here's the greatness. Here's the wonderful parts. <laughs> I can tell you on the stand on that one. And don't feel bad. I came close to eating up all my quarantine snacks, but it, did, it didn't happen because I kept having to go to work. I kept leaving the house, having to go to work. But Listen, now, Boo, potato chips and I had a really good hey, romantic relationship for home now, I'm I am broken up with them. I, I can't. I can't buy them. I cannot buy them because if I have them in my house, I eat them. So. <laughs> Damn. Right now, I think the potato chips hate me right now because truly I bought a bag. Yeah. I, I think you touched yet because. Uh, honestly, I've been working a lot, so but <laughs> now that my um, other job is gonna have me for real home, <laughs> I don't know about them quarantine snacks now. <laughs> but yes, yes, uh, I, I and I see, I understand how. But I'm glad Florida is starting to do something. Things now they're telling people traveling from other states that hey, you gotta be quarantined before you come to our state. So because so many people like to rip Florida for. For dragging their feet on this quarantine matter and all of that. Oh my God, I'm so, so excited because I can start booking live speaking again, events again. I can actually go out there and sell my 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 wares. I had a whole bunch of places lined up to go out there and sell. You know, my grateful shirts, my blessed shirts, my my gratitude bags, all sorts of gratitude swag, and everything. You know, is shut down. Everything is still online, so people can buy online. But you know, it's funny when people actually touch the material they're like oh my god i need to have this because it's the the softest nicest cut shirt you'll ever put on your body so i'm very excited for that yeah that's real <laughs> now now like i said now ultimately last the last thing why should people join very this good question what so they gain the whole purpose movement. behind the movement is to give people the tools and techniques to take whatever feeling of joy to the next level. And there's a lot of times that, you know, you have a goal, you have a desire, you have a dream. And by tapping into that space of gratitude, even if you have a gratitude practice, but by having a community of gratitude practitioners with you, what it does is it shines those lights on areas that you may not have seen, right, that are places that you can, if we shine the light on them, you, you're, you'll have that much more joy in your life and things will explode. You'll have that much more, <clears throat> excuse me, love in your life and that will explode. So it's about sometimes seeing the things that are not necessarily that we don't see that are right in front of us. And when you have somebody else who says, Hey, take a look at it this way. What that does is it, like I said, shines the light on areas that might've been, un may have been covered up. And that's really the power of being part of the community is, is if you're in a space where you're feeling, you know, blah, it gives you the energy and picks you up. If you're in a space where you're like, man, life is really going great. And I'm about to, you know, take it to the next level. It also gives you the tools to take it to the next level. It, it amplifies you. If that's a, if that's a space you're in, it gives you the power. It gives you the, 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 turbo gasoline to go to that next level. So it's, it's a powerful 
it's a powerful practice for, for all people. It's just about taking that step. Uh, okay. Uh, like I said, people take the step. Y'all heard this, me and this lady talking. Take the step. Join Miss Vismaya Rubin on this gratitude step, ladies and gentlemen. Become a gratitude gangster. Do not be afraid to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you, Miss Vismaya, for coming on today and talking about the gratitude movement. I'm My pleasure. You, you asked me questions, boy, and none of this I was really rehearsed, so it. people need to really get that you asked me questions that that were challenging questions. So thank you for that. And thank you for making me think. And um, yeah, I wasn't sure where we were going with this, but I appreciate you. And I appreciate the time that you took to, uh, to really get to know me and my gratitude movement. It's not a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the look at talk podcast and go ahead and subscribe to look